Good morning. Today is a really important day because we are right in the middle of the throes of our small group sign up for the, for the fall semester. And yes, I know it's Labor Day weekend, but today is so critical for you and your entire family to get signed up for a small group. Because look, small group, that's where you're gonna go deeper in your relationship with God. Because small group is the place where you're gonna open your Bible, where you're gonna really look deep into the passages and your leader's gonna help you understand more. You're gonna get to ask questions. You're gonna get to dialogue with your leader as well as with other people in the group. And that's where those truths of God begin to really sink down deep into your heart and down into your life. And that doesn't happen just for you. It also happens for your teenagers and it happens for your kids. So it's important that you get them signed up for a small group today as well. Additionally, small group, that's where you're going to make friends. That's where you're going to get to know people. Because look, we live in the fourth largest city in America. And even though literally there's millions of people here, it can feel really lonely at times. But small group is a place where you're going to get to know people and they're going to get to know you. And so that doesn't happen just for you, but that also happens for your teenagers and for your kids. And so it's really important that they make those friends as well. And it may or may not you know, yield best friends, but there'll be people who will know you, that will pray for you, that will genuinely and authentically care about you and your kids as well. So please, today, join a small group, not just you, but your whole family. I'm just kidding, let's not do that. Let's start that again. <laughs> okay. And it, are my hands like weird, like right here? Is it? Um, I mean, I don't want to be like yeah. a little tyrant tyrannosaur, you know, like this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our media team didn't tell me they were gonna like, put all that part in at the end there. So, but hey, get signed up for a small group, right? That's don't miss that part of the message. Okay. Hey, welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm so glad that you're here, especially on a Labor Day weekend. And I'll be honest with you, I truly believe that when you choose to come to church. Um, on weekends when people are tempted to skip, you know, like on a holiday weekend or, you know, like when it's raining or when it's like really, really super cold. I believe that when you come to church on those days, I believe that God really honors that because you are showing him that he is the most important thing in your life. And I believe that on those days, God has something amazing in store for you. And I believe that's true today because today I'm telling you, like, we are really going to go deep because today we're in part three of our message series, The Christian Atheist. And look, and it's not like, it's not like a person can actually be a Christian and an atheist at the same time. Okay, that's not possible. Um, but as Christians, there are these places in our lives where we act like God doesn't even exist. And we've talked about a couple of those already. Like we've already talked about making decisions and the danger of making a Hagar decision. And then last week we talked about prayer and how sometimes we view prayer as our last resort when really it's our first best resort. And that brings us to our message today that when I believe in God, but I still worry all the time. Because I'm telling you, when, when worry and anxiety and fear sets in, I'm telling you, like it can get a grip on us. And it can be hard to even focus on anything else, can it? For instance, um, last spring, not, not this 
past spring a few months ago, but this, actually the spring before that, um, my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary, right? Like, how cool is that? You can applaud my parents, all right, please. Like, 50 years. Oh, the 10 of you applauded. That was so, warms my heart. So anyway, yeah, but my parents celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary. I mean, that is a huge milestone in life. And so we decided that, like, my parents and my family, like, we were going to go on a cruise together to celebrate. And so we, we bought the tickets. We started booking excursions. We were talking back and forth about, like, hey, what are we going to do, da 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 So anyway, so my parents give me a call. And, I, and they, they said, hey, call us back. We want to talk about the cruise. I said, okay, great. So anyway, Amy and I were about to get in the car. So we get in the car, and we call my folks back. And my mom answers the phone, she says, um, Michael? Now, when my mom calls me Michael, it's only for two reasons. Either I'm in trouble or it's serious. And so she says, Michael, we're not going on the cruise. And she said, there's no, there's no easy way to say this, so I'm just going to come straight out and say it. I've been diagnosed with cancer. It's breast cancer, and it's very aggressive, and so I have to start treatments right away, and we won't be finished with the treatments until in time for us to go on the cruise, so we're not going to go. And I just, I mean, I just sat there, and I was, I was stunned. I didn't, even, I didn't even know what to say. And so my mom goes on to say that, that some people have this gene where if they have it, like they're more prone for the, you know, cancer to grow and for it to come back. And, you know, of course my mom has this gene and so now she's going to have to take these other injections. I mean, I didn't really totally understand it because I was just, just reeling from the news. And, and they, found, they found the cancer just through her annual mammogram. I mean... No symptoms, she wasn't sick, I mean, she would have had no way of knowing. And so, look, ladies, let me just say this. If you've been putting off having your annual mammogram, you need to go. Because if you don't, and you don't find out in time, you need to know how devastating that is for your kids. You need to know how devastating that is for the rest of your family. So, go have your annual mammogram. Okay, that's my public service announcement for the day. Um, uh, but look, when things like that come into our lives, I mean, like, I mean, it, it just kicks the door wide open for worry to just, to just come flooding in, doesn't it? And there, there's, look, there's lots of things to worry about in life. I mean, yeah, health is a big one, sure. But we worry about finances, you know, about starting a new career, about starting a new business, about starting over, about starting a new school, about grades, about relationships, a lawsuit, you know, will my kid make the varsity, uh, about the presidential election, about the Texans' offense, Anything that's unknown causes worry, right? Yeah, anything that's unknown causes worry. Why? Because, because what, is, what is unknown always brings with it like a ton of fear. 
It always brings a ton of fear because we begin to play what-if scenarios inside our head. Like, you know, what if this happens? Then what's going to happen to my kids? Like, what's going to happen to my spouse? You know, will we have to sell our house? Will we have to move? I mean, what if we lose everything? What, what's going to happen to America? I mean, you know, what if, what if, what if, what if? We play all these what if scenarios in our head. And the more we play those scenarios in our head, the more we worry, the more we fear, and the more anxiety sets in. Look, like, that, that's not unique to us, okay? People have been worrying about this kind of stuff for centuries. People have been dealing with worry and fear and anxiety literally since humanity started. And that was certainly true in Jesus' day. They dealt with all of those same sorts of fears we dealt with. Now, like, a few of the elements were different. But look, they still worried about disease and losing a job and their kids and heartbreak and death and divorce and financial struggles just like we do. So look, here is what Jesus says. Go ahead and pull out your message notes. Look what Jesus says when it comes to worry. He says this. He says, in Matthew 6, 25, he says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about life. Well, you know, what you'll eat or drink or your body or what you'll wear. Okay, seriously, Jesus, like, that, like, that's your advice. Just don't worry about it. Like, of all the things that you're going to say about worry, like, you're just going to lead it with, hey, you know, by all that stuff, like, just don't worry about it. I mean, I'm sure the people in the crowd were like, Really? Like, that's all you got? Like, that's really, Jesus, you got any more than that? Because, like, I've tried that. Like, that doesn't really work for me. I mean, it's not like I can take worry and just turn it off like, a, like I turn off a faucet. So what else you got, Jesus? But then Jesus continues, and he asks two key rhetorical questions that, honestly, they're at the heart of every fear and worry that you and I will ever experience. And if we could take whatever we're worried about and put it up against these two rhetorical questions, then I think we could put worry in its proper place. So look what Jesus says. And if we do that, then we won't respond like Christian atheists. Okay, so here's what he says. Here's the first question. I want you to underline this. Is not life more important than food? Underline that. Is not life more important than food? And the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Underline this. Here's the second question. Are you not more valuable than they? Are you not more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So, when I worry, I've got to ask myself two key questions. And these are basically these rhetorical questions. The first question I got to ask is, what's really important in life? What is, what's really important in life? That's the first question that Jesus essentially asks us. And look, and, and, and Jesus, he uses food as examples. Like, is your life not more important than food? But really, I mean, you could use anything. So, you know, whatever you're worrying about, like, you could substitute it here. So, you know, is your life not more important than making varsity? I mean, is your life not more important than saving up like this amount of money for retirement? Students, is your life not more important than grades? 
Now look, teenagers, like, you need to be careful there because um, if you get a bad report card, I don't recommend that you go to your mom and lead off with, Mom, is not life more important than grades? Because in that, in that moment, she might go, no. And at that point, you're, you have two choices, either raise your grades or death. And she might be okay with either, okay? So, like, so you have to be careful with that. But look, I mean, I think we all see pretty clearly that, like, Look, there's more to life than some of these smaller, trivial things that, like, that we just we get all wound up about. But what about, what about the bigger worries in life? Like the big ticket items. What about marriage? What about my health? What about kids? Look, isn't that what life's made up of anyway? I mean, is there any benefit to even asking Hey, what's really important in life when it comes to those big ticket kind of items? Absolutely. There's huge benefit. Because look, there's more to life than even those big ticket items, okay? Like, there is more to life than marriage. Now, hold on, don't freak out. Don't get me, don't misunderstand. I'm not saying that staying married's not important, okay? Look, marriage is the most important relationship you're going to have on this earth outside of your relationship with God. So it's very important. But look, it's, there are more important things in life than marriage. Because if that were not so, then everyone who's ever experienced divorce, that means that their life has no more meaning. Or if someone is single, that their life has no meaning. But that's not true. I mean, we, we all know that that's not true. So what is Jesus' answer to this question? Like, what's really important in this life? Well, if you read it on the surface, it seems like basically Jesus is saying, well, you know, just don't worry because, like, you know, God's going to take care of you. Like, he takes care of the birds and stuff like that. And, and, that, and that's true, but the truth is, that's just the surface answer. The deeper answer is, why does God take care of you? And so, that is super important for us to ask. And so, the big part of, the, of that answer is, what is your next fill-in? Because this is God's answer to the question. And his answer is, I have plans for you. God's answer is essentially, I have plans for you. See, look, all through the Bible, we see that, God has things that he wants to accomplish in this world through your life, through my life, and through the lives of other people. And over and over and over and over again, we see in the Bible that God accomplishes great things through people. But that road is not without fear, worry, or anxiety. And so what happens is God has a plan. People, they get in a place and a circumstance where they have great fear, great worry, great anxiety, but they choose to trust God anyway, and then God does something great in their lives. Look, and God's got something great he wants to do in you. There's got something great that God wants to do through you. But you have to trust him to do it. So look, no matter what you're going through in life, don't be afraid to ask the question, okay, God, what are your plans here? Because God has a plan for you. And part of God's plan might be for you to help someone who's going through the very same thing that you went through. Maybe God's plan for you is to help you prevent someone from going through what you've gone through. Maybe God wants to start something new through your life because of what you've been through. I mean, I don't really know, but look, one thing's for sure. God has a plan for your life. 
And most of the time, that road is not without worry or fear or anxiety. And so Jesus says to you and he says to me, he says, look, don't let worry control you. Just follow me, trust me, because what's really important in life is not your comfort, but my plans for what I want to accomplish through your life. That's what he's saying, right? Okay. Second big question that we have to ask whenever like worries and stuff sets in, second big question we have to ask is this, is we have to ask the question, what am I worth? What am I worth? And that's the second part that I had you underline where it says, are you not much more valuable than they? Basically, Jesus is telling you and I to ask the question, what am I worth? Because, look, when you worry about stuff, you're basically acting like you're not worth much to God. And because you're not worth much to God, then therefore God's forgotten about you. Or that your life really doesn't matter all that much. And that maybe he doesn't care because that underpinning assumption is, is that because I'm not worth very much, God's not going to do much to help me here. And so I worry and I stress, right? And so God's answer to that question of what am I worth is simple. And it's this. God's answer is, I sent Jesus to die for you. I sent Jesus to die for you. And I know that's like a really long blank to fill in, but I'll also give you a moment to do it. But have you, if you ever wonder what your life is worth, you don't have to look any farther than the cross. Because look, God sent his son Jesus to die for you. And he sent him to die for you because you're worth something. I mean, look, would you ever send your child to die for someone if that other person wasn't worth very much? I mean, if you were going to send your child to certain death, would you ever do it for someone who, for something that wasn't worth very much? No, of course not. And even if they were worth an awful lot, you might not send your kid anyway. But God, but look, don't get to a place in your life where you hear this so much you just, that it doesn't affect you anymore. God sent his one, his one and only son to die for you. Not because you don't have much worth, but because your life has enormous worth. Your life, my life, has such enormous worth that God said, I am going to send my one, my only beloved son to die for you. And why, why did God have to do that? It's because, because of our sin. Because our sin, our sin separates us from God. And it separates us from God from having a relationship with him while we're alive. And it separates us from ever going to heaven when we die. And so God said, you have such worth, such value to me that I'm willing to send my one and only son to certain death so that his death could pay the price for your sin so that your sin could be forgiven so that I could have a relationship with you while you're alive and you can come to heaven and live forever. That's why Jesus died. And Jesus' death says enormous things about your worth and about my worth. So look, let me just say this. If there's never come a time in your life when you've asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you, like you need to do that. Like you need to do that today. You need to ask him to forgive your sins today. Now look, if you've ever done that, you don't need to do that again. 
It doesn't mean that you're not going to be perfect. You're not. Um, it doesn't mean that you are going to be perfect because you're not. You're still going to sin. But at that point, you just confess your sin, ask God for help not to do it again. But you're already forgiven, okay? But if you've never prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you and put him in charge of your life, there's a prayer. It's at the bottom of your message notes. I want you to take a moment. I want you to pray that prayer. I want you to pray it right now because your life has enormous value to God. Now, after we ask these two rhetorical questions of, hey, what's really important in life and what am I worth? Then, well, okay, well, then what do I do? What do I do to actually stop worry in its tracks? Well, I'm really glad you asked. So let's look what Jesus says. Look how he wraps up his, Jesus, how he wraps up his talk about worry. He says this in verse 33. He says, but seek first his kingdom. I want you to circle that part. Seek first his kingdom. So that's the first thing we've got to do. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, and circle this, do not worry about tomorrow. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So how do I stop letting worry control me? Okay? Well, let's actually start with the second part I had you circle, and let's work our way backwards. The first thing that I've got to do is don't play what if. Don't play what if. Okay? That, that second part where Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, basically Jesus is telling you, stop playing the what if game. Stop playing what if. You know, you got to stop playing, you know, like, you know, what if this happens? Or, you know, like, what if that occurs? So what's going to happen to my kids or to my car or to my house or to the Texans? Like, you got to stop all that, okay? Stop playing the what if game because, look, it causes you to worry about tomorrow. That's what Jesus is saying. Okay, now, the other thing that Jesus says, and this is actually the first, blank, first thing I had you circle in these verses, is this, is that I need to seek God first. I need to seek God first. So Jesus says, seek first his kingdom. So basically God says, seek me first, and then you won't spend all your time worrying about all this other stuff, okay? Now, the problem is, like, what do I, what, I mean, what does that mean that I do? I mean, look, if I told you, seek God first, like, like what would you go do? I mean, are you supposed to do, like, go find a cave somewhere and like, just hide out for months? I mean, if I said, seek God first, what are you going to do? Well, the truth is, in this passage, Jesus doesn't tell us. But, in another passage, the Apostle Paul does. So, let's look what Paul says. What Paul says in Philippians 4, verse 6, he says this. He says, do not be anxious about anything. So look, if you're feeling anxious or if you're worried, um, Here's what you do. He says, but in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, underline this, present your requests to God. Present your requests to God. And, and put a big box around this, okay? The peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what are the things that Paul says to do? These are your bullet points. He says this. He says, the first bullet is this. Put everything in God's hands. You, you just need to put everything in God's hands. So whatever it is you're worried about, whatever it is that you're anxious about, you need to pray and you say, God, I am totally stressed out about this. 
I'm worried about this, I'm anxious about this, so I need you to take care of it, okay? Now look, that doesn't mean that you do nothing, okay? You still have to apply for a job, okay? You, it doesn't mean you don't do, do nothing, but it does mean you stop worrying about it. So basically, you're going to say to God, I need you to take care of this, okay? Let's actually practice that together, okay? I'll, let's say that out loud, okay? Say, I'm going to say, I need, say, I need you to take care of this, okay? Ready? Go. I need you to take care of this, okay? Let's do it one more time. Ready? Go. I need you to take care of this. That's what you're going to pray. You're going to pray, God, I need you to take care of this. And a corollary to that, this is your second bullet point, and that is this. Don't take it back. Don't take it back. Once you put it in God's hands, like, don't take it back. Now, don't be surprised if you've got to put it in God's hands multiple times, okay? Because, look, the chances are, like, that worry is probably going to come back. And as soon as you feel it coming back, you need to say, go back to God and say again, I need you to take care of this. And don't be afraid. You have to say it over and over and over and over again. Because look, anytime, whenever that worry comes in, whenever that worry like, comes a part of your, uh, your life, it's okay that you get the feeling, but it's when you dwell on it. That's when the problem is. Because like, when you dwell on it, Basically, that means that you're no longer trusting God and you're thinking about all the ways that you can try to fix it, but you know none of them are going to work and that causes you to worry. And so if your solutions aren't going to work anyway, then just go ahead and say to God again, I need you to take care of this. And you put it in his hands again and again and again. And again, and again. As many times as it takes, as many days as it takes. Don't take it back. That's what he's saying. Okay, now, that part I had you put a big box around, basically this is your third bullet point. Is that I need to receive peace. Receive peace. The last thing that Paul says is that there is a tremendous peace that literally it transcends all understanding, and that's what will come over you. That day that my mom called and said that she had cancer, I mean, I'm telling you, as soon as she said it, I'm telling you, all of this fear and dread and anxiety and worry, I mean, I honestly... I could feel it, like I could feel it starting to well up inside my, life, inside my heart. And so, I mean, as soon as she said, I mean, immediately, my heart just cried out to God. I said, God, I need you to take care of this. God, this is my mom. I need you to take care of this. And y'all, I'm telling you, like, it was the craziest thing. Like, like in that moment... I just, I just had this weird, like, peace that just, it just came over me. Like, I just, I knew that God had it. Like, I, I, I knew God had control. And I should, like, I should have been freaking out. Like, I should have really come unraveled and undone in that moment because, I mean, this is my mom. 
But it, that's not what happened. Like I just, my heart cried out immediately and just immediately this peace that literally it transcended all like normal understanding. It just came over me. And so I went with my mom to her first infusion and I sat with her that first day and um, all last spring and all last summer she had chemo treatments and and ever since, and since then, she's beginning these injections for like the, that weird gene thing that she has going on. And um, literally six weeks ago, she had her last injection. And as of right now, my, my mom's cancer free. Right. So, let, but look, let me just say this, okay? Even if it didn't work out like that. Even if my mom had died of cancer, God is still worth following. Jesus is still worth loving. God, our Father, is still supreme. Because look, one day my mom will die. One day my mom will pass away. But that doesn't change anything about God. He is still worth following. He is still worth knowing. He is still worth worshiping. He is still on his throne. He is still in charge. He still rules over the universe. And he can still calm my heart and your heart in the midst of whatever we are going through. There is no need to fear or to worry. Because God is supreme. And Jesus, his son, died for us. So there's no need to worry. There's every reason to approach worry and fear like a Christian and not a Christian atheist. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father, first I just want to thank you for my mom that she's, she's cancer free. But Father, I tell you and all of us tell you today that no matter what happens or comes in life, God, there are more important things in life. And that's your plans of what you want to accomplish through us. And God, I thank you that our worth is so great that that's why you sent your son Jesus. And so I, I just tell you, as a true confession of my heart, all of us tell you it's a true confession of our hearts, that you are worthy to be followed, to be loved, to be worshipped, to be adored. That you are in control. And there is nothing more important than you. And so help us, Father, to follow you with all our hearts, all our days, and to not worry. We love you. Bring us back next week so that we can learn more. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <laughs>